Hey there, welcome to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast, a space to talk about all things life, fertility, parenthood, and everything in between. My name is Elizabeth. I am an international fertility coach, ICF certified life coach, birth and bereavement doula, and new parent educator. Join us as we support the tribe throughout their journey from conception to bringing your new baby home and everything along the way. See you in the episode. Welcome back to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Today we have Erica Zeal here, and she's going to give herself an introduction to you because I feel like what she does is a little bit more in- intricate than what we're used to seeing from other people that come around. So Erica, take it away. Let us know what you do and how you got into it also. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you today. So, you know, what, well, I I call myself a deep core exercise specialist. Um, Conversation ends up being uh, somewhat involving the pelvic floor and fascia from pregnancy through pregnancy, postpartum, um, and beyond. So I'm really all about helping women prevent aches and pains and dysfunction and to get out of pain and dysfunction. So in a nutshell, that's kind of what I do. (laughs) Amazing. So for people who are listening that don't even know what fascia is or those kind of words that are not used in our day-to-day language, can you explain that? So yeah, so fascia, I like to describe to everybody, um, is that it really, it's what really connects everything together in our body, right? So it, you know, wraps around our muscles, it goes through our muscles, it goes around all of our organs, it wraps around um, every single nerve in our body. Um, If you were to take basically the outer layer of fascia off of our body, it would be the entire outline of our entire body from our fingers to our toes to the top of our head. Um, And the cool thing about fascia and research, um, you know, shows us that we can, we can improve the function of fascia in our body. We can create stronger fascia. We can create more of it. Um, It's something that definitely as we age, you know, cellular rejuvenation decreases, But it's really amazing to me. And time and time again, um, I see women, moms, you know, in particular who are stronger, have less aches and pains than they did 10, 20 years ago. Right. So it's really amazing that when we start to understand that we have this superpower um, within all of us and actually during pregnancy, um, an interesting fact is that our collagen synthesis increases when we're pregnant, right? Because we are developing a baby. And so much of our body is made up of the collagen matrix, um, which is basically a big part of the building block of fascia as well as bone. Uh, we don't talk about enough about that. We talk about, you know, calcium needed for bone strength, but actually a big part of bone development, um, bone strength and aging and all of that is, um, also the collagen matrix. So, um, it's very, a little, just interesting fact. Um, and I always tell my pregnant moms that, you know, pregnancy is really the best time to learn how to effectively strengthen your deep core um, because of fascia, because we, we really can get stronger during pregnancy without lifting heavy, without running, without doing what we traditionally think of as quote exercise. Um, and a lot of it comes down to being more gentle with our body because fascia likes gentle. Um, and a good example to kind of explain this is a lot of times, you know, we think, oh gosh, you know, we've got to foam roll our tight areas of our body, like quads. Right. And then you're like, 
that like, oh, it feels it hurts so good, kind of pain, you know. But what I've discovered over the years is that if we continue to keep staying in pain through movement, um, it actually can cause the fascia to become tighter and more restricted. And so we actually need to do things that are slower, more gentle. So you broke up a little bit. Were you saying oh. when people are doing the foam roller to not like let that pain because I feel like that's how it is for me right like oh my god like I feel like I have to be doing this but it hurts um and or like fascia release massage and all that sort of stuff are you saying to to not be doing that or like what is beneficial I guess so I I find that if we are doing a lot of release work that is painful it can actually be keeping us in pain now you get that initial release where you feel like Oh, I get a release from it. It feels like it's loosening things up, but in long term, I don't actually see that. Um, I actually see that we need to be doing things that are more gentle. Um, and so something that I teach a lot of is fascial lengthening, as I like to call it, which I say is AKA stretching <laughs> in a way that is training our fascia to become strong in a lengthened position. Cause so much of the tightening is shortening of the muscle shortening of the fascia, right? We spend so much time sitting, which is partly why our quads get tight and why mm. our hip flexors um, get tight, right? So when we learn to really work with our body in that way, and it's really just because, you know, we've been, and I started out in hardcore fitness, you know, 20 years ago and working out really hard and doing all the things that I really kind of teach the opposite of now. And especially because women in particular, um, you know, we have, we, we tend to kind of beat our bodies up. Um, and I find time and time again, that I've helped so many women improve their health and their energy by actually essentially slowing down. So doing less actually can really equate to more. And a lot of that gets into talking about cortisol, um, you know, and that stress response in our body. And that's a really cool thing too, with fascia is because it's so intertwined with our nervous system, it really can have such a positive effect on decreasing our stress and getting, helping to, you know, as best we can, getting less and less, you know, out of that kind of fight or flights. So that's where when we're, if we're doing a foam rolling our quads and we're feeling really tight and it's painful, right? What does that do to your body? It makes you want to like constrict and be like, ah, that hurts, but it, it like hurts so good. At least we think it does, right? But instead, if we actually are doing things that are, um, not painful like that. Um, maybe they feel tight or restricted. Um, and we're really working to, you know, elongate and work to improve like our breath connection because breath really plays a huge role in, um, in, in really for our deep core and pelvic floor. That's where that ties in. So why does it hurt when you do like what's happening to cause the pain when you maybe it's your first time doing it or many times in some cases, what, what's happening with that? So, I mean, you definitely can be tight in your muscles, right? So obviously okay. we're getting some sort of pain receptors that are, that are waking up and, but there's also this, you know, this thought that, okay, well, why, why are we holding on to pain and things? And so many times where we feel pain in our body is actually not where the pain is coming from. Like you might actually have pain, for example, in your hip flexors or in your low back, but that's not where, that's not really what's causing that pain. Um, mm -hmm. And this is where I always teach women, like we have to look at our body as a whole, everything is all intertwined. And this is where over the years I've really discovered it's about 
our pelvic floor and our deep core function. Like if someone comes to me and they have neck pain, for example, um, but say the rest of their body feels fine. Well, I'm not going to initially address her neck. I'm going to be like, okay, well, let's see what's going on with your pelvis, your deep core function, your posture. And let's address that first. And many times you're like, wait, wait, but it's my neck that hurts. It's like, yes, but your neck could be hurting because of postural imbalances um, or just imbalances in fascial strength through the body or pelvic floor dysfunction. And so many women don't realize that they have, and I hate sometimes to use the word dysfunction. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. sometimes look at it as women don't, most women do not know how to actually effectively connect with their pelvic floor um, and their deep core. And for optimal core function or deep core function, we have to address our pelvic floor, um, you know? And so even with, you know, back pain, which is so common for everybody, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we can't just go and keep looking at the back and keep stretching our back and keep getting adjustments. Adjustments can be, and all that can be again, beneficial, but it's, it's a temporary fix. And what we have to start looking at is, okay, well, why do I have pain in my low back? Yeah. Right. And many times it's because, okay, well maybe, you know, she's tucking her pelvis a lot, right? That's a huge cue that we're taught in fitness all the time. Tuck your bum, tuck your bum, you know, squeeze those glutes and then, you know, suck your belly to your spine. And when we're doing those things um, during our fitness routines and our workout routines, and then we're also doing them during our day unconsciously, not aware of them that can contribute to and ineffectively strengthen pelvic floor. You could be too tight. Actually, a lot of women are really actually too tight in their pelvic floor. (laughs) Um, and it can really contribute and put a lot of stress on our low back. So like pelvic position is so important. And it's the first place I'm going to start with anyone, whether you've got neck pain or back pain, or you're peeing your pants, or even if you don't have any dysfunction, but you're like, Hey, I want to learn I want to learn how to prevent, right? And that's the other thing, trying to encourage women <laughs> and moms. Yeah, that's that was going to be my question. Do you feel like the ideal candidate would be somebody who is not yet pregnant, but trying maybe so that they know how to manage their body going into it? I mean, that's in, in an ideal world. I would love for every woman to get to experience and go through what is called my core rehab program, which teaches them so much education, so much stuff that I wish we were learning when, you know, girls started when they were teenagers and athletes and, you know, all of that. Cause a lot of dysfunction actually starts in our teen years. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, because there's so much that, um, that we have to learn about our core and our pelvic floor, just as women, not even moms, but especially moms, mm-hmm. um, you know, prior to trying to conceive and, or, you know, during the time of, you know, working to conceive, because there is also that, Um, you know, notion of, especially for women who are used to moving a lot and exercising, right? Sometimes when you're working through conception, um, IVF and all those, which I know is your ex, you know, your area of expertise, but from an exercise perspective, right? Sometimes telling those women like, oh, you can't do anything ups their stress, right? Mm -hmm. And so what I love with what I teach is it's really gentle, um, but really effective for her. So we can keep her moving, you know, during these times of possibly doing IVF, um, working to conceive that, you know, 
because we're working in a more fascially fluid way, yes, we're going to become muscularly strong, but if we focus on the fascial lengthening and the, the deeper connections with the breath, it, like I already mentioned, has this ability to decrease our stress as well, but yet we still get this movement, which is so therapeutic and like meditation for so many of us that yeah. it's really just a win-win. And I, yeah, I wish every woman could get a chance to, to learn all of this before ever conceiving. Um, but at the same time, it's never too late either. And it's, it's easier once we're in pain to be like, oh, I want to fix like the logical perspective. I'll tell you ladies, it's actually easier to, to start to learn all this preventative perspective. Right. So what are some of the, the cues that you would know, like, okay, I need to work on this other than like you mentioned back pain, but what are some of the other things that I need to go work on my fascia or my pelvic floor or both all of the above? Like what, what does that look like? So, I mean, you know, a lot of, a lot of women deal with just aches and pains in general. Um, you know, even, even digestive issues, because I do talk about digestion, um, from working to decrease inflammation in the body, um, and decreasing bloating and things like that, because I do notice there's a huge correlation in core dysfunction and digestive issues as well. Because if we think about it, right, if internally we've got this bloating all the time, or we're constipated, we've got this extra weight pushing down on our pelvic floor. Women notice they're like really bearing down to have to have bowel movements. Like that is putting strain and stress on our pelvic floor mm-hmm. and deep core in general. Right. So that plays a huge role. Um, you know, and you know, if, postural stuff, right? Posture stuff's big. If you're sitting a lot at your computer, um, on our phones all the time, we're just in this, this roundedness, you know, all the time. And so even just as simple as, as starting to bring awareness to posture can make such a huge, huge, um, positive effect for women and how they feel not plus adding to our confidence too. <laughs> right. Right. So, and who does this mainly? I mean, obviously you do it. I'm a do you do it virtually for people now as well? So I do some one-on-one typically in person, but my, I have my online programs, which are pre-recorded videos where I teach women, um, you know, what to do, whether it's my Nocta Fitness prenatal program and, or, you know, core rehab, which is the before or after, um, having babies. And we offer group coaching in there as well. So it's like, you get really the kind of step-by-step of education, the movement practice. And I like to talk about it as your movement practice and not just your workouts, because I feel like that like kind of psychological shift of like, oh, it's movement. Now I'm not just working out. It's like actual movement because I really like to teach women that what you're going to learn from me, what you learn in my programs, it's not just about doing that movement practice on a daily basis or four or five days a week or whatever it is. Um, It's about you taking what you're learning about your body and also applying it to your daily life. How are you moving during your day? Um, How are you sitting? How are you standing? How are we talking to ourselves? How are we breathing? How are we, you know, and and I always encourage my ladies to, you know, find a couple moves that really help you feel good and help articulate your spine, right? It gets our lymph system moving, which is important for detoxification and just really waking up that deep core. And so maybe, you know, she ends up finding and doing like standing cat cows in the morning while our coffee is brewing. And again, it's not like for an quote exercise to burn calories or do any of that. It's really in this more, you know, just nourishing way. I look at movement as really nourishing our body because it's such an element of our health that so many women either overdo it 
and are working out too hard and causing a lot of dysfunction in their body, or at some point that happens, um, or maybe they just don't even know what to do. Right. And we're not taught as little kids, like as little kids, we naturally articulate our spine, but as we get older, we get stiffer, right? We don't know how to move our spine and articulate our spine. And when we can keep that movement into our daily life, it, it just can really absolutely enhance your, your quality of life your health, your energy. It's really quite incredible. (laughs) Yeah. I love that you say that. And you started even with saying about using the word gentle. And I think a lot of times people have a mental stigma around working out, right? Like if I'm not working out hard enough, it's not working, right? It's not, my body's not adjusting or changing or doing what I need it to do. And so we literally beat up ourselves mentally and physically to feel like we've accomplished something when in fact, we're taking 10 steps back in some ways, you know, and I feel like that's such a good reminder to say, you know, we don't need to be doing something insane in order to have this movement practice. I really love that you state that because I know for even me, I've had that, you know, we've all gone through, I think, where you're going through two hours at the gym, like a crazy person period in your life. And it's like, that's just insane. When I look back at it, like, why would I, it's almost a form of abuse to your body. That's working so hard just to function and to, to show up for you. And here you are, like, it's not good enough and you got to keep going you got to push harder and you got to, you know, lift more and run faster. (laughs) You know, it's just crazy. So I really love the idea of just coming back to this gentle space and almost reprogramming your brain, your mental state and your body to say like, it's okay to, to do this. And this is like for the long haul, right? Like you see people that are elderly, that that's all they're trying to do is keep their body moving in order to keep them healthy. And if we continue and start that now, we're that much better off. Right. I I just really love that so much. I love, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I love um, when I see you know, I'd say a bulk of my uh, students that I work with are, you know, 30s and 40s, right? Because we're in that era of having babies and, you know, recovering and healing our bodies. But I love when I see see my students where they get their mom. They're like, they bring their mom, like, mom, you really need to do core rehab, you know? And it's so exciting to me when I then start to hear of her results, right? Getting rid of the incontinence and hips not hurting anymore. And maybe even getting back to some light jogging, if that's a goal, right? That's not for everybody. I don't necessarily say it's something you have to do, but it's really incredible that we don't really correlate, you know, of 20 years from now, you know, even, but it is amazing what can start to creep up in 20 years from now. Um, if we don't start to bring awareness to it, because so much of the conversation goes, oh, well, that's just normal, honey, because you've had a couple babies or you're it's it's an age thing, you know, you're getting older. And it's like, I don't, I don't buy into that because time and time again, I see women get out of dysfunction and, you know, have less pain to no pain from even, you know, 10 years ago. So it's, it's just really incredible what our bodies are, you know, capable of, which I know you see that time and time again, too. (laughs) Yeah, it is incredible, really. But to, to that point, you mentioned earlier, I, I see it all the time where I have clients that are super athletes and they are going through this IVF process and essentially are told to stop everything until, you know, they're 13 weeks or something where they're in a safe zone, essentially. And mentally, again, that can be really frustrating because they feel like I just want to be doing something, right? I feel like 
I'm going to end up gaining so much weight because I stopped moving in this moment of, you know, newly pregnant. And I will say for the record to date, I haven't had anybody go that direction because they did stop for those 12 weeks. Your body is very good at remembering where it is and having that baseline. Um, but what are some things that you could say to somebody who is in that kind of doctor's orders to slow down and not really do a lot? Like you mentioned some stretches and whatnot. What, what does that look like? If you can kind of talk through that, I know it's most people are in audio right now, but what would that be? So really it comes down to thinking of moves and things, uh, which I teach exactly how to do them, but it, it's really about slowing down our moves. Cause I'll get a lot of women that are like, Oh, Eric, I've done these types of moves before, but I've never done them the way that I teach them. Mm. Right. Because I'm really getting her to um, slow down, bring awareness to her breath, as well as the visualization. I'm really, really big on teaching my students and ladies. It's like, okay, I want you to visualize what it is you do want. And we know there's research out there that says if you just did no movement at all and you visualize yourself doing a bicep curl, you could get stronger. Now, you could get stronger if you actually went and lifted and did bicep curls, yes, but you can still get stronger by just visualizing it. Mm -hmm. um, and so those are some of the things. And a lot of what I teach again is really revolving around waking up the pelvic floor and the deep core, which I always encourage my ladies to start doing as soon as you start learning this, because we need to, you know, pelvic tilts, hip rolls. So we're working to, you know, like the bridge position, right? Where our hips are up, we're laying in, you know, on our, on our back and roll our hips up. And so many times we do that as like a bridge where we just go up and down to work our glutes and hamstrings. And it's like, I take it deeper and I want you to articulate and you're going to roll up slowly, like one vertebrae at a time. And then we can do some pulses at the top if you want, but they're not forceful. They're gentle. And it's really focused on moving, um, you know, synergistically with our breath. So it's actually our breath that is initiating each repetition mm -hmm. that we're going to do. Right. I and love so that. I'm such yeah. a big fan of breath work in general and how that just centers us in a way that, you know, it's our life, right. Our breath keeps us alive every day. So incorporating that I think is so cool. Absolutely. So for, again, for people that don't know, and I had a client yesterday, she even asked, she's like, what, what is pelvic floor even? Cause she's uh, 30 weeks pregnant. And I was saying, you should probably look into some of this now. She wants to do a scheduled C-section. And I kind of demyth her with that too, that it doesn't matter if you have a C-section or a vaginal birth, you're still going to have some sort of complication. Um, they may be different, but I shouldn't say complication, but your body is going to be in a state one way or the other. It's just maybe a different. So explain for people who don't know what the pelvic floor is. What is, what is that? What does that mean? So many times we think of our pelvic floor um, as doing kegels or kegels, right? However you want to say it. Um, and so that's been taught a lot, right? For years and years, women doing their kegels, right? And while maybe they could be a little effective, I find they're not they're not up. They don't create optimal effect, um, optimal, you know, activation, um, and strength of the pelvic floor, because it could lead to imbalances of our pelvic floor. So ladies, if you're listening right now and you're sitting and just sitting up straight, I want you to kind of like wiggle around on your, on your pelvis, right? So kind of go forward to like your pubic bone, roll back to the tailbone, and then go from like side to side and you feel like the bony, the sits bones, right? The bony mm -hmm. parts of your bum. So um, I always use like a diamond example, right? Holding my four or my pointer finger together or my thumb and think, okay, it's like 
your pelvic floor runs from the pubic bone all the way back to your tailbone and then sits bone to sits bone, where mm -hmm. many times we think of our pelvic floor as just like a quarter size, right? So mm -hmm. it's actually much larger. It is the base of our deep core, which is why it's involved in everything. So ladies, even those of you having cesareans or who've had a past cesarean and maybe have that numbing sensation, right? That's a really common thing that happens. Well, it's because of there's just not good fascial strength there, fascial tissue, not good blood flow going there. And this is if we can actually learn while we're pregnant. So like your, your client who is planning a cesarean, I'm like, there's so much that you can do. And yes, you have to learn how to properly activate your pelvic floor, even with a cesarean. I talk about this all the time because it's societally, for some reason we've separated. It's like vaginal birth is over here. Cesarean birth is over here. In my world, they are one in the same. They are one and the same because it doesn't matter to me. Um, you might be a couple of weeks behind in your recovery um, with a cesarean. That's it. But even then, again, I keep getting, I have that thought. And then my students will be like, Erica, oh my gosh, I'm two weeks postpartum from a C-section and I'm ready to get back to exercise. Uh -huh. But I know you say I can't go do structured exercise yet. Yeah, you know, so um, it's amazing. But what happens, ladies, when we, when we learn to properly activate our pelvic floor, which we can work stand, uh, as a standalone, but for optimal function, we have to really start to recognize the pelvic floor functions more synergistically with our entire deep core. So we have fascial layers that run through our abdominal wall, you know, that go up along the spine around our organs, our diaphragm, which is underneath our ribs. Um, and then, then we have, you know, all those intercostal muscles through our ribs, our mid back is really important. So I really teach it to activate our pelvic floor. We have to start from the pelvic floor and entirely strengthen and lift and lengthen up through the top of the head versus right. That belly to spine feeling, or just that mm. kegel, we're trying to like compartmentalize and like belly to spine shuts off the pelvic floor, puts pressure on our pelvic floor, which we definitely don't need any extra pressure on our pelvic floor. Right. So we have to start this lengthening and kind of zipping up feeling and sensation. So for my pregnant moms, I always say it's going, your belly is going to come in when you do this, but it's coming in because you're lifting from underneath your belly. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you're waking up all of that and strengthening. Remember how I said at the beginning, like we can create more fascia, we can create stronger fascia. And so a lot of that again is through breath stimulation, right? We have to use breath to do this. You can do all the movement in the world and yeah, you're going to get stronger with your core, but you're going to be missing a lot of the deeper layers if we don't involve the breath. But the cool thing is, um, you know, for women who have cesareans is that, you know, I hear time and time again from them, their, their doctor is like, what were you doing when you were pregnant? Because they, the doctor can tell that his, the scalpel, his or her scalpel, like it just, the tissue cuts so much smoother and guess what it heals. It heals so much quicker. And we have a lot of our cesarean moms who don't even need pain medication. And if they do, it's really minimal compared to what most need. And they're up, like I said, almost ready to be like, okay, I feel great at two weeks postpartum, which is almost unheard of. And I see you like shaking your head. You've had a cesarean at least one. I've had three. Yes. You've had three. <laughs> yeah. And so, and I will also say too, for anyone who's had cesareans in the past, um, you can wake up all of that scar tissue. And it's, it's really amazing when it starts to happen because it will pink up. The color will actually start to change mm -hmm. when we learn how to really properly um, strengthen our deep core, which again, starts with the pelvic floor. 
Um, and so it's, it's just really amazing. And we also too, I will add this with pelvic floor function, ladies, we do have to understand pelvic positioning. Remember I said at the beginning, not tucking your butt, because if you're tucking all the time, you're going to be really tight, um, probably in the inner part of your hips. And that can really contribute to tightness in the pelvic floor. If you're really tight in your inner line uh, or your inner thighs, um, inner line of your hamstrings and all of that. So that your entire legs can have play a role in how your pelvic floor functions. So I'm not someone that just teaches women how to get just their pelvic floor. I really help teach her her entire body because it really is all one unit. Um, and we can't compartmentalize and work on one area here and one area there without addressing everything as a whole. Totally makes sense. Will someone be able to recognize I'm tilting or not tilting without having somebody physically like hold on to you and show you? So, yeah, I mean, essentially, yes. If you start, like, if you're just sitting right now, right, if you kind of wiggle, you like tuck your pelvis, you know, forward and then sit up on the, on the bony part of your butt and then kind of like, mm -hmm. feel like you're sticking out your butt, which will give you a deeper arch in your low back, right? For women, we want to be actually have a slight anterior tilt, which is when we, we get that natural curve of our low back, right? Um, you know, sometimes it's hot, more neutral where you're just really upright, but honestly for women, to get better pelvic foot activation, you want to have a slight anterior tilt, which means you're going to have a little bit more of a curve in the low back. Now, ladies, do not overcorrect when you do this, or you're going to feel it in your back. Mm -hmm. So it's all about like, if you are someone who notices you tuck your butt a lot, or you feel like you don't have a butt, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, so the first step would be, okay, let's just think about having more of a neutral pelvis, just like letting our glutes go a little bit more. Cause that's kind of a first step. If we're really grippy in our glutes, this is a conversation we have all the time <laughs> inside mm -hmm. of core rehab is like getting those glutes to just like relax. Right. And so we want to have strong glutes and hamstrings, but then when we have the grippy glutes, they're not really strong in the right way. They're okay. locking the pelvis down. And so if we just start to think about when we're sitting, just really sitting up nice and tall and watching that we're not sitting in a chair with a back and doing the roundedness all the time, right? Or, mm -hmm. you know, I know more are working at home. Don't sit on your couch or in your bed all day, ladies. Like that is mm -hmm. like one of the worst things for your pelvic floor function and your back. Like, it, you know, so it's, uh, it's amazing just paying attention to your posture. Um, is there a particular chair or ball or something that you recommend for people that are working at home every so, day all day now? <laughs> Yes, I do. So I always say it's great also if you could stand up sometimes. So even if you don't have a standing desk, if you're on a call where you don't have to be on video right at your computer, like take advantage of those times and just be standing and being on calls or walking around your living room. Like I'm someone who like just, I have a hard time not moving, uh -huh. um, you know, and if you are sitting, I mean, sitting on an exercise ball can be great. You can also cheat on those too. So you have to really be a little aware of like, am I sitting the right way or am I getting tired and rounding over and all that? Okay. Um, honestly, when sitting, I like to just have people sit on a flat bench. Like I just okay. sit on a wood stool right now, or if I'm not at my standing desk, sometimes I'll sit at the kitchen table and we have like, you know, my husband made like wood benches. There's not even a cushion on them, which if you want a cushion, that's fine. Just don't make it super cushy where you can't sit up straight because if you're actually sitting up straight, you should notice you have a little bit of a curve in your lower back. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and it, it takes time for women when we start to really bring more awareness to our deep core and the pelvic floor, just knowing that in the beginning, it feels very foreign women probably like, you know, not, you know, you're not going to feel what you think you should be feeling 
um, because it's like anything, right? We got to learn a new habit, a new way of yeah. holding our pelvis, of even breathing, connecting. And so it's really normal in the beginning that you don't feel anything. So you're listening to me like, Erica, wait, I feel like I got, I got nothing, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's normal. And I always want to like stick with it. Like I have a free pelvic floor guide where I actually write out the cueing, uh-huh. um, that you could send out if you want to your, yeah, that'd lady be great because it really helps when you can just see it and just like, don't try to perfect it. Just try to embrace the learning that, <laughs> that there is with it. Yeah. Awesome. So bef- one last thing before we go, let's talk about posts real quick postpartum pelvic floor things. So I know for, for me, my biggest thing was the incontinence through pregnancy and post. Um, I feel like it's gotten a little better, but again, I had three C-sections. So for any of you who think like, it's not going to happen to me because I didn't have a vaginal birth. That's not true. That's it happens from the weight of everything on your pelvic floor. Right. So over time, it just gradually gets weaker and weaker. So is it possible? Of course, my OB is like, Oh, we can have surgery to take care of that. I'm like, let's hold the phone real quick. And we're not doing that, you know? Um, so what do you recommend? And do you see that turnaround? And if so, what's the time frame as far as like putting the time and effort in to seeing a result? So absolutely. Incontinence is one of the biggest things we actually talk about the peeing your pants. And I will just clarify and say that because a lot of women don't know what incontinence yeah, is. We don't true. think of incontinence in our thirties and forties yeah. um, as incontinence. We think of that as something our grandmas have to do to wear a pad, right. Or whatever right. it is. And it's like, no, so laughing, sneezing, mm-hmm. crying. Yeah. <laughs> and all of it jumping, yeah. running. So ladies, if you are experiencing any peeing of your pants, AKA incontinence, mm-hmm. um, that is to me, I always say it is your body trying to communicate with you and get your attention to like, Hey, wake up. There is healing opportunity here. If we don't do something about it, it can get worse and it could eventually become pelvic organ prolapsing, right? Which is where Mm -hmm. we start to have like the uterus starting to slip down out through the vaginal opening, or even the intestines can start to slip down or, um, you know, or our bladder and things like that. So it really is a big deal. And so many women that I have worked with that have pelvic organ prolapse, like they don't, um, they don't realize that, you know, it's, it's an issue until it happens to them. So that's why I like to always bring it up. Right. And I don't say to scare anybody because most women don't know that that can even happen to them. Right. Yeah. Um, so I always say when you're experiencing incontinence, that is the time. If you haven't yet, you really need to, to learn how to strengthen your core correctly because it doesn't typically get better on its own. Um, and if you keep pushing through, then it's just going to get worse with time. So, and, and the thing with surgery is that Surgery is, while it can seem like a quick fix, it's really hard on your body and you haven't still strengthened the body, right? Mm-hmm. Surgery doesn't strengthen the body. Um, it sometimes can actually leave you weaker because after you have surgery, you know, what's your downtime? Um, and we lose our strength twice as fast as, as we gain it. So, and I know you were asking, you know, and I always say this too with postpartum, right? So many times we're told like, oh, don't do anything until six weeks or whatever that you get your doctor's approval. I, I don't, I disagree with that. Um, I agree that we should not be doing structured exercise. Absolutely. No going back to the gym, no lifting weights, but there's a lot of, you know, kind of my theme of everything we're talking about. There's a lot of movement you can do that is gentle, that is rehabilitative, waking up your pelvic floor again with some pelvic tilts and, you know, using your breath to help you do that. Just paying attention to to your posture, right? Um, how you're holding your little one, how your nurses, so many things that we can do mm-hmm. getting outside and walking. And those things matter. And those things can help us in, 
in, you know, helping to start to heal so that we can, you know, get rid of the incontinence. Um, and, you know, from a timeline, you asked the timeline, I, this is such an individual question and I can't yeah. answer it specifically because everyone's bodies are different. Right. 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 I can tell you what I do see is that women, you know, women who have worked through my prenatal program and then postpartum, her recovery uh, is typically a lot easier, a lot quicker. She's like, oh my gosh, my pelvic floor feels so good now after, you know, especially it's, it's awesome to hear from women when they've had multiple children and didn't get to experience, you know, the strengthening the right way with the previous, you know, pregnancies and birth and all of that. Right. So yeah. it really is just going to vary. Um, on every woman's individual situation. I always say, if you can at least give yourself a good six months, okay. I mean, there's a lot of healing that can happen. Um, sometimes it happens really quick for women and other times it takes more time. It just, again, it's just so individual. individual. It's individual. so individual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. All right. Well, I'm so grateful for all the information that you've given us. I think this is information that like kind of what I educate people on isn't known, right? And we need to know this stuff and we need to be talking about this before it's kind of like you're in it and you're like, what does this even mean? Whereas again, I feel like your ideal client would be someone way prior to having any of these issues. So thank you for educating us and, and guiding us along this journey. How can people find you and your courses and all that good stuff? So you ladies can find everything that I do just on my website. It's ericazeal.com. I spell my last name. It's Z-I-E-L. Um, and then I always say, you know, reach out to me on Instagram. If you have any questions, I'm more than help, happy to help guide you in the right direction. So fantastic. Well, thank you so much again for your time and we will chat soon. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Follow up on Instagram at the Pretty Little Tribe or at Elizabeth King underscore coaching for updates, resources, and a community to connect with. If you are looking for extra support and tools to guide you along your TTC and parenting journey, visit ElizabethKing.com. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast everywhere you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Visit ElizabethKing.com backslash Pretty Little Tribe podcast for more information on how to enter. Any review counts. I just appreciate your honest feedback so I can provide you with the best support possible in your TTC and parenthood journey. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.